Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Man, you guys look good today. Why don't you look at your neighbor and just say, man, you look good. But put a little emphasis on the good. Good today. Yep. Yep. Some of you, you're welcome for that opportunity. Because you're like, I've been wanting to say that to her. And you gave me the opportunity. It's okay. Just send me a gift card. I love Dairy Queen. I'm just telling you right now. Anybody else Dairy Queen people? Man. And do you know the Dairy Queen in Menominee Falls on Appleton is now open. Like you can go inside. You know that? But nobody knows that. So I always trust a fat man when it comes to this. I'm just telling you people. So because the other day I'm going, I'm like, hey, the line's all the way to Appleton, right? I've been one of those people where I've been out in Appleton Avenue because I am going to get my DQ. Anybody? Okay. I'm telling you, they got the the biggest small ice cream cone you can get. And it's all 220 calories. I didn't make the rules. I'm just playing the game, girl. So anyhow, so we pull in. This has nothing to do with my message today. We pull in, and it's like Ava was with Tammy. And I said, Ava, jump out and see it. It says open. Let's just see because sometimes it's like, psych. You know, it's not really. So she goes in, and she's like texting. It's open. So I said, okay, we're going to stay in the line, and you be there, and whoever gets first, I two orders. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I've, I've spent a lot of hours at Dairy Queen. I probably spent more hours at Dairy Queen last summer than I did before the throne of grace, obtaining mercy. You know what I'm talking about? Because it's just that drive-thru. And anyhow, so she gets out, and those people are still in line. We got our stuff, man. I'm just, it's open, folks. I'm just saying, today's 75 and sunny. I would encourage you to go to Dairy Queen. If you have your Bibles... Turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Matthew, chapter 5. We are concluding this series today on uh, did Jesus really mean that? And, uh, and so next weekend is Mother's Day. So for those of you that have forgotten, make yourself a note right now. Next weekend, yes, is Mother's Day. So all of you young dads who have small kids, that means you're on. Right? Amen. I'm just telling you because... Those children do not know, and your wife is not going to, you can't go, well, you're not my mom. Do not say that, right, unless you like the basement. Hopefully it's finished. I'm just saying, don't say that. So you take care of all of that, get the flowers, do the lunch, do whatever you got to do, whatever. And um, it doesn't matter if you do a picnic outside and you go to Subway, you whatever, whatever, right? And now, if you have grown kids, you can do what I did. That is your mother. If she doesn't have anything, it will be on you. And I have told her and communicated that. Because now I pass this mantle on to you, right? Because I got stuck with the brunch bill last year because they didn't make reservations. You know what I'm talking about? I was like, how much is this? Oh, Dad, it's mom. Your mom. <laughs> yeah, and so I made sure my wife knew I paid for it. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sorry. Mother's Day next weekend. Invite your mom, take care of your mom, be there. My favorite speaker at Life Church will be speaking. Tammy Cole will be bringing it hot and fresh this week. Yep. Yep. Guys, I told her to go easy on us, so you just, you'll be all right. She won't make you feel too bad. I don't, I, I, I don't, last, last year she brought altars into the church. Like, you all need to repent and get right. I don't know, this year there's no telling what's going on. So, anyhow. Today I want to talk to you about persecution. Not, it's kind of a hard topic, right? To go from Dairy Queen, Mother's Day, laughing, persecution. All right, here we go. 
Welcome to church. So Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, Matthew's recording the greatest sermon that we have that Jesus ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. 2,000 years ago, Jesus does this sermon, and basically he says, I want to give you seven simple steps that can take you to experience God's refreshing from, from the Lord himself. These are called the Beatitudes. Beatitudes mean attitudes that ought to be. He does seven Beatitudes, and, but when he gets to the eighth Beatitude, it's completely different. It's not so much an attitude, it's a consequence of the previous seven steps that precede it. Think of it like climbing a ladder. He basically, it's getting up this ladder. And, and we think sometimes like this ladder to success. And in our world, there is these ladders to success and what they define success and, and all that. Jesus, the Beatitudes are totally different. It's an upside down kingdom. Jesus talks a lot about this. If you want to be first, then you've got to be willing to be last. If you want to be served, then you must first serve. If you want to have friends, then you must first be friendly. You've got to do the heavy work, the dirty work. You've got to do the work that may not see a return this side of eternity and trust God for the results. And these attitudes that Jesus gives, these beatitudes, these ought to attitudes, they're not going to help you advance in this rat race we call life in this world. But what they're going to do is teach you how to live God's way in the kingdom of God that ultimately ultimately in heaven and in eternity will reap a great reward. Each, each beatitude is, is a different sequential step to experience God's fullness and his blessing. And you got to embrace one and then the other. I don't have time to, to read all this, but, but just to give you these seven beatitudes, he says, first of all, be blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, admitting that, first of all, that you're morally bankrupt without God. That's where it begins. The second beatitude is blessed are those who mourn. When we really see ourselves as we should, it should break our heart and cause us to mourn and turn even so much more to the Lord. Blessed are the meek. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. I have the ability to crush you, yet I choose not to. A great characteristic that we don't see enough in leadership in our world. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the Bible says, for they will be filled. There's a difference between self-righteousness and God's righteousness. Self-righteousness is trying to seek some, some external check the box, go to church, check the box, give it church, check the box, serve at church, some type of external. But, but God's righteousness is pursuing a reckless abandon towards him and towards no one else. Blessed are the merciful, he says. Once we receive God's grace and forgiveness, we can forgive ourselves. And on that basis, we forgive others. We extend forgiveness and grace to those who have hurt us. The only person who can afford the luxury of unforgiveness is a person who doesn't need God to forgive them. Jesus says it straight up. Blessed are the pure in heart, he says. We're pursuing purity, not perfection, because we'll never be perfect. There's only one, and his name is Jesus. And thank God that he does not expect us to be perfect. But we can stay clean. We can stay pure. And then he ends that seventh step as blessed are the peacemakers. Helping others uh, becomes a greater motivation than my own success and my own happiness. And in doing that, this is all part of God's kingdom. And then you get to the top of the ladder, to the pinnacle step, like to the height. What's there? It's not really a step. It's not really something else that you do. It's more of what's going to be the consequence. Kind of one of those, I shaved my legs for this moment. Really. 
And it says it right there in Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 12 says, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message transliteration. Count yourself blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit you. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when this happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like, so th- for though they don't like what I do, all of heaven applauds. The first seven Beatitudes reveal the character of who Jesus is and what he asks us to be is we're going to be followers of him. He gave up the glory and the riches of heaven to take on the poverty and the hopelessness and the helplessness of this earth of sorrows. And he was meek and merciful. And Jesus is saying here in the Beatitudes, especially when we get to this last one that we're talking about today, when your character reflects his character, your face, you will face the exact same thing that Jesus faced, persecution. Now I get it. We all want to be loved and respected. But there are going to be times, Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me, that your faith in Jesus Christ is going to cause people in your world to mistreat you, maybe even unto death. Did Jesus really mean that we should rejoice when we're persecuted? Like we should be happy about persecuted? The word rejoice means to have joy again. Not just one time joy, but two times joy because of being persecuted. I want to unpack this this morning. What does this mean? What is he saying? How does this apply to us? Because the truth of the matter is most of us in this room will never face a physical persecution because of our faith in Jesus Christ. You do need to understand in this world, Every 24 hours, there are people who are dying in the world in which we live in today for one simple reason. They refuse to renounce their faith in Jesus Christ and their followers of Jesus. We know this. You can go to persecuted.com and and see the Voice of Martyrs, which is a ministry, a not-for-profit, that has given themselves completely to this message of these individuals around the world of what happens with persecution. Persecution, let me, let me give you a couple of statements off of this, and I want to unpack Matthew verses of chapter 5, verse 10, 11, and 12. First of all, persecution is a reminder that this world is not our home. It's a reminder that this world is not our home. It's just temporary. We're, we're, we're just leasing. We're not taking up residency here. Verse 10 says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As Christ followers, there are times where the values of God's kingdom collide with the values of this world. Where what God calls us to do collides with what the world says is success. And here's the deal. I'm preaching a message much easier to preach than to live. But when you leave the doors of this church today, when you go offline from this message today, You've got a decision. Am I going to live this out or am I just going to like take this part of the Bible and take some scissors to it and cut it out? Am I going to do what Jesus says? Am I going to really try to, try to follow the teachings of Jesus or am I just going to kind of give God the old-fashioned Heisman? And, and because this is a collision between the world that we live in and what Jesus calls us to do. 
This is bigger than a political affiliation. This is bigger than a personal ideology. This is bigger than a people group. This is bigger than an idea. This is about how you live life. This is, a, this is an entire construct that goes in the face of what our world, especially as Americans. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. To those who are perishing, Paul says, we're a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. This begs a question, the reward in heaven. I'm going to unpack this a little bit more in a minute, but where is home for you? Is home this world? I mean, is it like, this is it, man. This is, this is, this is the full enchilada. This is the entire deal. This is everything. What are you living for? Are you living to make a name for yourself? Are you living to have your name on a building somewhere? Are you living for a legacy generation and generation and generation? Are, are, are you living for the cause of Christ? Are you living to make Jesus' name famous or to make your name famous? Are you living to, in order to, to populate heaven or are you just trying to populate your own bank account? Are you living for your success or are you doing it God's way? Are you trying to climb your own ladder or are you trying to say less of me and more of him? Not judging, I'm just asking. Don't shoot the messenger. If you want to, my email is rcoggins at lifechurchwi.com. What does your heavenly portfolio look like? Talk about retirement, 401ks, 403bs, investment strategies. There's a whole lot of talk right now about the economy and the world and the power of the dollar and the debt ceiling and all this that's going on. If this world is not our home, And there's never a U-Haul behind a hearse, right? You can't take it with you. And your kids will go through it. Trust me. They say that generational wealth within three generations, maybe if you're lucky, four generations will last. Because first gen, you do everything to create it. Second gen, you've been around to see it and you want to honor first gen. Third gen, you don't even know what first gen did. You just expect it. And fourth generation, what? Insufficient funds. I don't even know what the word insufficient means. You do now. We, what does your heavenly portfolio look like? Forget about the 20 or 30 years you're going to be retired or the 10 or 15 years you're going to be retired. Or the five. No man knows tomorrow. No, we, we don't have any control over this. What, what does that look like? Are you laying up treasure in heaven? Do you have reward in heaven? The Bible is very clear about this. Only what we do for Christ will last. C.S. Lewis once wrote, quote, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. This world is not our home. We're only passing through. Second statement about persecution. Persecution is a vital part of discipleship. This is the reason why Jesus taught about it. Persecution is a vital part of discipleship. If you're going to follow Jesus, this is part of what it means to be a disciple of him. Verse 11 of Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely for my account. 
Wow. So I may not have to die. It may just be that I've been maligned in the marketplace because I'm a Christ follower. I mean, have you noticed that some of the things that the Bible talks about that are just basic values, our world does not necessarily hold? And there is this clash that's happening in American society today against what you hold to be, what, 20 or 30 years ago were thought in the crazy 80s. (laughs) what you thought to be right and wrong are no longer, it's all thrown out the window. If you've thought about going off the grid, not because you want a sustainable life, but because you want to get away from crazy, you're you're not alone. If you've thought about, hey, if people go like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, you're not alone, right? If you've thought like, hey, did, did something happen? Like, did something in the, uh, just, yes. It's like during the pandemic, everything that we, we were going towards got accelerated. It, it all got magnified. It all just got pushed more and more and more. And, and is there wrong in this world? Yes, but there always was and there always will be until Jesus comes back and sets it right, according to Scripture. Are there bad people? Yes, there's bad people in this world. Yes, there's, there's destruction. Yes, there's evil. Yes, there's all of this stuff every single place. Do you have options? For, oh, absolutely. But the truth of the matter is, is that we live in a world that has like gone crazy. And the things that we've hold, held dear, the things that we've whatever, it's like what's going on? And go, and I don't want you to think like, man, this is old school Bible thump. No, 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 no. This is just reality is, is that you live in, I live in a world that doesn't value what you value. Sorry. Even though if you want to get historically to it, capitalism is a byproduct of Protestantism from Europe. The Puritans believed that if you really wanted to honor God, you did so with the work of your hand and the sweat of your brow. Therefore, you accumulated something and you had something and you gave that first generation Second generation had it. Third generation said, let's be enlightened by it. And here we are today. It's historical. I didn't write this. You can, any secular university will teach this. The truth of the matter is, is that we live in a world that that does not believe what you believe. And so you're going to have questions. Your kids are going to have decisions. Your grandkids are going to be faced with persecution that if they're going to work here, if they're going to do this, or if they're going to do that, are they going to stand for what's right and wrong? And I'm not talking about a political party. I'm talking about God's word. Where you shop, what you buy, what you do, where you go, how you live your life. And again, I am never a person about what I'm against. I'm always about what I'm for. I think you live on the sunny side of life, not because you are denying the, the evil or that's out there, but I think that light always gets, gets, is, is greater than darkness. I think that salt is always better than saltlessness, tastelessness. Amen? I just think that, that we've been called to be a city on a hill, right? We've been called to be a beacon of light. We've not been called to point out all the dark corners in the world. We've just called to bring light. So if I just bring light into my world, man, I can change my world. That's why I think we should go into every world. I think we should go into media. I think we should go into politics. I think we should go into business. I think we should go into education. I think we should go into medicine. I think we should go into engineering. I think we should go into ministry and admissions. I think we should go around the corner, around the world, that you and I should be beacons of hope and beacon of light. But in doing so, it's going to cause people not to like you. And they don't, it's not you that they don't like. It's the Jesus in you. And so the truth of the matter is you've got decisions to make. It may cost you some money. It may cost you a job. It may cost you a promotion. It may cost you. What, what, 
You'll have kids that will come home from school and go, I don't understand why, why, why we have to do, why you. I, I remember in the early days, Life Church being a little storefront. And my kids going, yeah, when I'm at school, <laughs> people are like, oh, yeah, your dad pastors the cult in town. Yeah, explain that one to your eighth grader that's just trying to fit in. I mean, just like, I'm so sorry. Let me explain what's going on, what's happening, da 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 Part of it is just the world we live in. Today, I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but, I mean, it was just like, I'm, I'm just saying to you, like, and there's a difference between if you're a jerk and somebody's being mean to you. Well, I'm a Christian. No, you're just being a jerk. Like, right? Like, don't, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I've seen some people in the name of Jesus do things. It's like, no, you're just being aggressive. You're being a jerk. You're being tyrannical. Your words mean something. Where, where, where is the, where is, because when, when, when people hurl negative at you, you have one to two choices. You either absorb it or you deflect it back to them. And Jesus says we're called to have, live a receivable life, which means when they hurl it at us, and I know this is really hard to do because I am preaching something I don't always live, but when they hurl it at us, we are to do our, to the best of our ability, absorb it. Because they're not coming against us, they're coming against the Christ in us. So we don't ever have a right to be a jerk. Even if we're right, we can do the wrong things, and therefore it nullifies what we're trying to do, share the love of Jesus. But I'm talking about persecution because of your faith. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All. Everybody. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to face some level of persecution. And if you don't like that, if you're not willing to live with that, if you're not willing to absorb that, and count it joy, which sometimes is very hard to do. It's going to be a really rough ride for you. It's why some people just check out. It's not that Jesus didn't work out for them. It's that what it means to follow him is something they're not willing to do because they need to be liked or accepted or approved in a world that is not going to like you or accept you or approve you because the Jesus that's in you and that's continuing to get more and more and more intense they just simply can't live with. Man, can we talk about Dairy Queen again? <laughs> Have you ever, are, are you ready and willing to be persecuted for your faith in Jesus? Persecution can be a, a test for your genuineness. Because again, when they come against you, they being whoever, do you turn the other cheek? Do you share the love of Christ? Or are you just as mean as they are, just on the other side of the issue? Persecution can be a test for the maturation, the maturity of your own faith. Have you made decisions that before it ever gets to X, Y, and Z, this is what you're going to do. This is your line. This is your stand. I, be, I totally believe we should build, build bridges into the world and build bridges into communities and, and to all people. But there are lines that we will draw. And in those lines that we draw, I just can't go beyond here. I just, not, it's not even me. I didn't make the rules. I don't get editorial privilege. It's God's word. And so here it is. Persecution can be a test for the foundation of my faith. I mean, I'll never forget being in Dan Spencer's 
psychology high school class in my high school. My high school was probably 1,500, 2,000 students. And I'll never forget being in that room, and it was like a who's who of everybody and that kind of a deal. And all of a sudden, in class one day, he was great for just having these conversations and these talks. And so there were all these different groups of people that were there and everything. And then all of a sudden, something came up about Christianity. And then one guy said, well, Aaron Cole's a Christian. He serves Jesus. He goes to church, and the whole room goes right on me. And I mean, I wanted to crawl under the table, but I was, I mean, I was a Christian. I was a Christ follower. Matter of fact, I had started a Bible club when I was in seventh grade that, that went to the other four junior highs in town. I, I lived in a town of about 80, 90,000 people and then went to the two high schools. So by the time I got to high school, there was a Bible club that was started because I had started one in the seventh grade and a kid in high school had found out about it and they did it. It's called Partners in Christ. I didn't come up with the name. That's just what it was, a little club. And I had led about 70 of my little friends to the Lord playing football and riding BMX bikes and stuff like that in the seventh grade. And God was doing this little work at Kimmins Junior High. I'm a Kimmins Raider, and I like to get to know you. Right on, right on. <laughs> Anyhow, so I digress. Take me back. Anybody else? So, so I mean, that was, that was the life, man. And, uh, and so, uh, anyhow, I'm, my mind, I'm so going so many places right now. And I get to high school and I hear him in this class. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. What does that mean? And here I am trying to defend my faith. And I got kids laughing at me, making fun of me. I got jocks. I've got punks. I've got, I, I, I've got, I got all these different people. And then one girl in the, in the front of the classroom who was like a knockout. Yes. She was a knockout. And she said, you know what? My grandmother goes to the same church that Aaron goes to. And I think all you people are crazy. I don't do what he does, but I think he's living right. I think we should all learn from him. I think we're all going to hell, and I think he's got the ticket. And I said, I'm with her. <laughs> Persecution can be sweet, amen? <laughs> Hello. So anyhow, I'm just saying, like, but I remember that day in that room, I had to make a decision. Am I going to stand up or am I going to shrink down? Am, am I going to clear my throat and go, no, I, I'm a Christian. When you've got all of these different ideologies and thoughts in high school and you're just trying to fit in and you're just trying to be cool and you're just trying, you know, just trying to navigate your way through. Third statement about persecution, final statement, it's not the final word. According to this passage, persecution is not the final word. Verse 12 says, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Meaning this has happened before, it's happening now, it will happen again. When you're persecuted, you join a host of other believers before you who have already reaped their heavenly reward. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For the spotlight of suffering shows the world the faithfulness of God. St. Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17 says, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away persecution. Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day, the work of the Holy Spirit. For our light and our momentary troubles, persecution, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweigh them all. 
He says rejoice. That means to have joy again. How do I have joy again? I remember why I'm going through this. I remember why I'm doing this. I remember why I'm being persecuted. I remember why that's going on. I remember that this world is not my home. I remember that my residency is not here. I remember, I am reminded in that moment that this world is temporary and that, and that it's only but a, feed, a fleeting vapor. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. That what's only done for Christ will last. That living for him and living according to his word. And so I can have joy that this is not the final say. This isn't the end. Matter of fact, I'm getting points. I'm getting credit. I'm getting a glory in heaven that moth and dust and rust can't take away from, that thieves cannot break in and steal, that, 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 that no man can diminish because God's the one that sees that and God's the one that rewards that. See, who are you living for? Yourself, for the man, or are you living for God? Because if you truly are living for the Lord, you know that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And as we sang earlier today, he'll never give up on us. He won't. He'll never fail us. He won't. He can't. It's not in his capacity to do so. And the very character and nature of God, he does not have that ability. He doesn't have that setting. So he says, Jesus says, rejoice, have joy again, and be glad. Be glad is different than rejoicing. Rejoicing is an activity that I do. Rejoicing is based upon the joy of the Lord, which is a fruit of the Spirit. But gladness is a choice. It means I don't always feel glad. I don't always like what's going on. It means I don't have to like it, but I can choose in the middle of my circumstance. I can choose in the middle of my persecution. I can choose in the middle of my hardship that I'm gonna smile. I'm gonna endure it like a good soldier because I know that it's only temporary. I know it's only for a moment. I know that there's going to come a day when the trump of the Lord will sound and time will be no more. And as John the Revelator said, there'll be a man standing in the cloud with a sickle in his hand with a crown on his head and he will harvest the earth and the end shall come. I know where my reward is. I know where my hope is. I know where my foundation is. And it's not built by man. It's not predicated on politics. It's not predicated on a society. It's predicated upon one and his name is Jesus. Amen. You see, heaven is more real than the eternity that you and I live, uh, than the reality that we live in today. Heaven is eternal. This earth is temporal. It has an end. When, when I, I don't mean to be light, light on this. Please hear what I'm saying. I'm not trying to say, I think we should steward the world that God's given us. But this world will be destroyed according to scripture. And a new heaven and a new earth will happen. So when I hear people saying, it's going to combust. Yep, we knew that back in Noah's day. This is not new. Oh, no, it's not new. It's going to happen. Now, do I want to accelerate the process? No. It's kind of like, do I want to get to heaven? Absolutely. Do I have some golf courses I'd like to play and some restaurants I'd like to eat at before then? Absolutely. I'm not trying to get there any faster than what I need to. This isn't a death wish. It just means, in the words of the great theologian, MC Hammer, you can't touch this. You know what I'm talking about? There's no downside in the life of a Christ follower. Follower, to be absent in the body is to be present with the Father. So if I'm persecuted unto death, I'm in the presence of Jesus. There is no downside to that. And if I live on this earth every day, I do my very best to live for him and let the light and the salt and the love of Jesus Christ flow through me to a world that is tasteless and dark and that's in need of help and hope, not because of me, but because I once was lost, but now I'm found. 
You see, your human life is temporal, but your spirit is eternal. There's only two things that last forever. People, your spirit, and God's word. Everything else goes away. So when he says, hey, great is your reward in heaven, we don't talk enough about heaven. You know why? Because life is so good today. But when I travel the globe, and I'm in Poland 10 days ago, I'm talking to pastors who don't speak the same language that I do, but through a translator, and I hear the stories of mothers with children, regardless of what you think about the war in Ukraine, they're displaced, their husbands are fighting, and they're getting off trains with everything they have. And when they walk into the streets at the train station, there are pastors and ministers that are there to say, hey, we've got a safe place for you to go and to be here. And they are completely freaked out. And there are human traffickers and sex traffickers offering them money for their children and offering them money for themselves and trying to do everything that is the most vile and evil in this world. Those people, they're looking and longing for heaven because they have nothing in this world. Their only hope is Jesus because they have nothing in this world. I go to developing countries and have been to some of the biggest slums in the world. They have nothing in this world. And when you talk about the light and the love of Jesus Christ, that's the only hope that they have. They love talking about heaven. They love singing about heaven. They love preaching on heaven. Why? Because that's their hope. It gets them going one more week that I know this world is not my home. This hellhole that I'm living in is not real. It may, it's only temporary. I know that what I'm going through today is only temporary. I know that what I'm facing today is only temporary. And you and I, again, we're blessed and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't wanna, I don't, I'm not trying to shame you or put anything on you, but I'm trying to say there is a world that doesn't live the way we live. So it's very easy for us to get clouded and think, well, this is really great and this is really awesome. And this is really, this is, but the truth of the matter is, is that this is all temporary. From the clothes that you buy to the houses that you purchase to the new truck that you just got that you paid an ungodly amount for. Wow, I can't believe what trucks cost today, amen. And until and, 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 and everything, it's all gonna burn. It's all gonna go. You can't take any of it with you. So why not sit back and go, hey, what's real? What really lasts? People and God's word. Then I'm going to invest myself in people and in God's word. I'm going to let that. And if I get persecuted for that, that's okay. Because what I'm putting my stock in, what I'm putting my hope in is never going to fade away. Companies will come and companies will go. Empires will rise and empires will fall. Leaders will come and leaders will go. But heaven will never pass away. This earth, yes, but heaven, no. So, where are you going to spend eternity? Why not invest there? I'm not taking an offering today. I'm talking about your life. What's your hope? Heaven? Invest there. I mean, why, why do we raise our kids in church? Because we want the same hope of Jesus that we have to be passed on to that generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. That's why we want. Some of you have come from traditions where 
your parents are concerned because you're not going to the same church that you were raised in. Their concern is really not about life church. Their concern is they want you to get to heaven. It comes from a really pure heart. Because the only thing that lasts are you and God's word. That's it. All this other stuff will go. It will all fade away. Where do you spend eternity? What, and what will be your reward once you get there? You're not going to be able to say when you see me on the other side, he didn't tell me. No, you're going to see me on the other side and you're going to thank me for every greater offering that I ever took, every missionary I ever put on this platform, every opportunity I did, every time that we took an offering, every time that we asked you to serve, every time we asked you to give of your time, your talent, your treasure, everything that we did, every sermon that went, man, this is getting into my world. Man, I'm having to change how I live. I don't necessarily like him. Every one of those moments, I know your thoughts. The Holy Spirit tells me all of them. I get an email from God and I'm just teasing. But I'm just saying, like, I get it. And you're going to see me on the other side and say, thank you. Because this, guys, <laughs> this isn't everything. This is just the beginning. We will pass from this earth and we will step into a place that is more real than the physical world in which you live in. Where there will be no more sickness, no more dying, no more parting, no more sorrow, no more sin, no temptation. There will be no more struggle. And all of this will pass away. And forever, man, forever, we'll live in heaven. I don't even have time to explore all of that. But that's what Jesus is saying. When you endure this, that's what's happening. Will you bow your heads with me today as we pray? Father, I just thank you. Thank you for this, for your word. Jesus, I thank you for this message. I just simply pray, help us just to give a couple of moments to think about, are we willing to endure persecution? Are we willing to endure hardship? Are we willing to think more of our eternal reward than we do of our earthly reward? Nothing wrong with being responsible, nothing wrong with being good stewards, nothing wrong with being blessed this side of eternity. This is not where it all ends. It doesn't end in retirement. It ends when we leave this world and we step into the next. So I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here today without you, let them in these next few moments, Lord, just simply just say, Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior. Come into my heart, forgive me my sins. And for everyone that's here today, that's a follower of Jesus, Help us to think just for a moment. Am I willing to be persecuted? Because it's going to happen. Am I willing to be mistreated, maligned, spoken ill of for the sake of Christ? That's what it means to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.